Hey, this is Tyler Robertson, and I'm on the Friars of the Farm podcast. Welcome to episode 213 of Friars on the Farm podcast. I'm Donovan, and with me is Roy. Guess who's back? Beep, pop, boop. Back again. Beep, the Fort Wayne Tin Caps back. are back in the postseason. Yes. We have a yes. lot of things back. Oh, so much back. Fort Wayne back in the uh, Fort Wayne back in the well, so, first thing it was really fun watching. Although I, I, I learned later I didn't have to scoreboard watch, but it was fun scoreboard watching yesterday in September. It was. It was, yeah. I mean, so I I was doing the same thing. You showed your setup. You tweeted that as John Nolan. I kind of had a similar thing going on because I pulled the game up on TV and I heard the broadcasters talking about everything from the Dayton Dragon side of things. Like, I don't want to hear this. So I pulled up the radio feed and I had John yeah. Nolan. He was like two pitches yeah. ahead of the 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 video action, which was fine because I'm sitting there doing other stuff. And then he would tell me something that's going on and I'd look up and I in time to see it. Yeah, and I like that because I'll I'll post videos, and um, if you didn't notice that I posted a video where I had his broadcast over, so when I screenshot or when I screen I record, saw that, yeah, I'm like, look, this is what I'm doing. I got three games going. I got a major league game going. I got a lot in a short attention span. Um, did you hear the shout I, out? I, I clicked on your video, and and I'm hearing some commercial playing while the. <laughs> While the play is going on, like oh man, technical difficulties. I did not hear the shout out. There was a shout out on the uh, broadcast. Yeah, I, I, I got a sh- I got a shout out. Oh look at you! Look at I'm you! I'm name dropping my own name. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we've got some some return action in the major league roster as well to talk about uh, in our major league minute. We've got some MILB news about some uh, some legislation that's ongoing, yeah. uh, and then we've got an interview with Pete Samora, courtesy of Mad Friars, and then we're going to take you through our affiliate rundown. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right to it. The major league minute. Guess who's back? Back again. Provar's back. And then just hits a bomb. Goes three for four yesterday. Um, like he never left. Maybe he just wasn't happy in Colorado. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's just what happens. That's the first thing I thought. I'm like, he well, he's with his buddies again. Like maybe, so he's yeah. the pressure's off. Awesome. Once again, the pressure's off. I'm with my pals again. Watch me do what I do. Hey, you know, you know, it's, it's funny. And I was thinking about it. Like he's somebody pointed out, well, he's the only guy that's playing hard right now. All these other guys are kind of mailing it in and on, on in a certain sense, Profar is playing for his next paycheck. Yeah. He's yeah, on a absolutely. one year deal. So he needs to find that next paycheck. He doesn't want to go where Will Myers just went that you sign that one year deal and you kind of wash out. And I'm sure if somebody offered Will a job or Eric Hosmer or all these other guys, it kind of disappeared that they'd be back and pro far. I'm sure he wants to keep on playing and thinks he's worth more than the, whatever $7 million he's making this year. I doubt he's going to find that next year, but yeah. you know, you got to get yourself back in the game somehow. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. I've been thinking about that a lot with, with the, well, everyone's just playing with lack of energy. They're not trying hard. Uh, you know, people associate lack of heart with failure. I mean, obviously the season has been a, a, a absolute turd pile. Um, and, you know, we didn't see enough. Did we not see enough broken bats? Did we did not see? Did we not see enough of 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 players like tearing up the dugout? Like I, I don't think that's professional. I, I don't think that's that doesn't show heart. Sure, you want to show a little frustration, slamming bat down every once in a while, but like it, it's just 
you know, I, I take umbrage with because, you know, you listen, if you listen to Adam Jones, you know, on, on Ben and Woods, he talks about it, it's like it's not that like these guys aren't doing the work. It's not like they're trying. It's like this is their job. This is what they do. When the season like this happens to people and it just it looks like lack of heart. And, you know, when you see Manny walk back, Manny walks back like that from a strikeout when he's hitting 280 you know, with 25 bombs last year, it's the God, I don't, I don't really care. Look, it's just another at bat, but since the season has been so horrible, you know, you, 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 I think you project a lot more emotion onto, onto the players. Right. I don't believe for a second that these guys are mailing it in, that they're not trying, that they're not, you know, working their butts off to prepare and trying to, you know, get as, as up for every game as they can. Uh, you know, once you get into the last couple of weeks of the season after elimination, that's a little different, but this whole yeah. season, all of these guys are doing their best, but it, you can't, you can't just magically create that spark of yeah. whatever energizes a team, whatever, you know, makes the, the vibes and all that other stuff that <clears throat> doesn't fit in a box score. And uh, so, it, it, there's chemistry it's magic it's stuff that that isn't quantifiable you can't put your finger on it and whatever that was this team sure as heck did not have it and they didn't have it in spades no <laughs> in God. many ways but also oh, but, we came up go ahead yeah so this time of year i like seeing the guys come up that you we've been waiting for them to come back all year you get the unsung hero the somebody out of left field you never heard of that you know, gets their, their major league debut, all of this kind of stuff. And so I enjoy that part of this time of year, considering the team is for all intents and purposes out of contention. Yeah. So Eggy Rosario finally made his, his debut this year. Um, it's not his major league debut, uh, but coming into the off season, we thought that this year was going to be the year that he finally established himself as a major league player. I thought he was going to be like the, end of the roster utility bench guy that got to play a fair amount to give people days off that kind of thing. Yeah. And then he, and then he breaks his ankle in the Dominican league and all that was shot for the first half of the year. And then he was making the comebacks and it seemed like every time he made a comeback, something would happen and he wouldn't play for a couple of weeks. And then he'd play for a couple of games Then he's off for a couple of weeks. And then finally he got, he got on, on a tear in triple a yeah. and they've rewarded him with calling him up. And then yesterday he had his first major league home run. He did. The the gloves kind of didn't follow with him, you know, and I thought some of those balls were hit really hard at him. But the home run was was fantastic. I think didn't he go two for three? It's got to be hard when you're brand new and you just come into the game and you know you don't have the experience and all that. You get the butterflies and big stadium and there's 40,000 people and Lord knows Houston's one of the loudest ballparks in the, in the whole league. Yeah. So I can only imagine what that environment's like and what's going on between the ears. It's gotta be hard to tune all that out and, and just, you know, focus on the game at times. Um, so for the first game, yeah, you allow something's going to happen. The ball's yeah. going to find you and weird hops and all that stuff. But you know, he, he got his first major league home run. And I know for a lot of guys, that's like the moment where like, okay, I, I am a major leaguer, right? Like, Okay, your name was in the box score. That's one thing. But first win, the first save, the first home run. These are the kinds of things that says, okay, I'm I'm here. I've made it. You know, so you definitely do see uh Eggie Rosario and Matthew Batten for for that. Um I, I almost kind of, I almost want to give Eggie a little bit more of an edge because of his age, um, over Batten being that utility guy next year. Now, is that something that we want? Is that something that we 
you know, they, we talk about the depth on this team, the lack of depth this season. Uh, you know, having Eggie Rosario in AAA playing every day, or is he going to be on the bench and play a couple of days a week well, in next year? I, ideally, the guy at the end of the bench isn't playing a whole lot because you've got Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, right. Hassan Kim, <clears throat> you know, Cronenworth. Those guys are everyday starters. Yeah. So as long as they're healthy, you don't want somebody else taking at-bats away from them. Um so yeah, I mean maybe it's a good thing if if Batten winds up being the utility guy and Rosario spends most of the year in AAA, you know, honing his craft. I I don't know. That's that's the kind of thing that you don't want to have to worry about, right? Right. And we have a you know, and the Padres have a lot more to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, change is going to come. This going to be a, it's going to be a weird off season. I feel it. It's going to be a weird off season, and I and I, and I just. I don't know. I, I I'm I'm ready for something to change. I don't know if it's front office. I don't know. And certainly it's going to be the rotation. We know this. It's going to be the rotation. Oh yeah, what, we're only what, bringing two guys back. Yeah. With what uh, Devil Bob Nightingale, you know, put out there earlier this week. And uh, it kind of, I don't I don't buy that. You don't buy it? Well, I, would think- I went and I pulled up the biggest con, the biggest starting pitcher. So what Bob, what Bob Nightingale said was that the Padres expect. Snell to draw a $200 million contract. And so I went on spot track, which is a website that has all the different contracts up there. Um, and Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. And I think Carlos Rodon were the only guys with contracts over $200 million of all starting pitchers in baseball. So there's a lot of really good ones out there. And granted he's younger than most free agents, but even still, I mean, are, are you going to give a guy starting pitchers don't get eight, nine year deals, right? Right. He's going to get five or six years. And yes, he's pitching at a Cy Young caliber this year. He's got a Cy Young already on his shelf, but in between those years, there's a lot of inconsistency. Yeah. And even this year when he's really good, he's relying on a lot of stranded runners on good defense behind him on a high strikeout rate. How right. sustainable is all of that as you go through your thirties and you start to lose a little bit of velocity, a little bit of stuff. Yeah. How's all that going to age? I, I don't think he's going to command the $200 million, but he's definitely going to get paid yeah. more than the Padres. I think can afford to pay him. Yeah. I'd like to see him go up to Seattle and go, go back, you know, pitch in front of his hometown fans. I think that'd be cool. I'd like it. Get him out of the national league. Cause I don't want him pitching against us. No, I mean, if they could bring him back, I would love to have him back. I love his personality. Yeah. And he's been so good for the Padres this year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, we'll see and what he, happens. He really has been the respite during the games because he's on the broadcast with Don and Mud just about every other game. Oh, yeah. Keeping it loose. I love it. You know, and that's, and that's worth the price of admission alone. Yeah. All right, so we have one more little bit of news today. Uh, congratulations to Nick Hernandez. The Padres are selecting the contract of relief right-handed reliever Nick Hernandez. Um, he's spent most of the year in Double A, spent a little bit of time in Triple A. Uh, combined, he's got a three point six ERA and a one point one WHIP over sixty innings pitched across forty six games. Um, so he's used to going more than one inning. Um, right. I understand he's not a hard thrower; throws like ninety ninety one. Uh, from the right-hand side, which is kind of an odd 
Yeah, and he's not the the weird arm angle like Alec Jacob was earlier. He's a pretty traditional kind of you know fastball slider changeup kind of guy. Uh, but congratulations to him for making his major league debut. To make yeah. room for him, Tim uh, Tim Hill's going on the IL with a sprained finger, which is the same thing he was on the IL for earlier. Uh, and then um, uh, Sanchez, uh, Sanchez, Gary Sanchez. Thank you, Gary Sanchez is going to the sixty day IL. Uh, no surprise there with his fractured wrist. Yeah, and having Tim Hill gone for what ten days—that's—that's that's pretty much that's almost a whole season left. Well, I mean, twenty what, games, there's, but there's three weeks left in the season, so yeah, probably not going to see him again. Interesting. Yeah, that and and you know the Robert Suarez came back from a suspension. Yeah, yeah, ten game suspension because of the sticky stuff. Um, he appealed it, and they said, "Nah, there was sticky stuff there," right, and he said, right. "Okay," and did his ten games, and he came back. Yeah, I mean that's. That's too bad. I always would like to hear more of the story. Like we saw when Scherzer, he's like, it's sunscreen and rosin. Right. But then we know that you can, you can mix up sunscreen and rosin and make it way stickier than you're supposed to be. But then how sticky is too sticky that maybe yeah. in the off season, we'll talk to Meredith Wills again and we'll get her opinion. Cause she had some, some pretty spicy takes about, about that. Like there needs to be some kind of a test to show it's just right. okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel your hand, and no, oh, that's okay. That's okay. No, no, that's too sticky. I where's that line? Right. And you say like a chemical test, and that's really interesting. Like they do it for bombs. They go okay. So oh, you're good. You know, you you did have bomb materials. Um, you know the the chemicals that are in rosin and and sunscreen have uh, chemicals and other sticky stuff has different stuff. So like, okay, it you swipe your hand with it? Oh, the swab says blue, so you're good. Oh, the swab says green, like that has other stuff in it. Um, I think that's a little too far, but that'd be inter- interesting to see. Well, I don't, the guys that have been suspended this year, I don't know if anybody's really alleging that they're using illegal stuff. Right. It's just whatever combination that they have is too sticky. So it's not that, I mean, they say you're not allowed to use those things, but you can use, you can put sunscreen on your body and rosin's right there. And if they happen to make a little, little added tack, that's okay. But you can't like glob the stuff on there until right. it starts to, I, so make the a paste, like you're making a paste. Yeah. But where do you draw that line? Guys are going to look for an advantage and it's, yeah. And I, it's not, not that it's cheating, but guys are trying to get a grip. So they have good control. Yeah. And if you rely on movement and, you know, you need that grip to get a slider, I understand why you might want to, you know, okay, if I do this, it's going to break another couple inches. And that's the difference between finding a barrel and finding the end of somebody's bat, you know, sawing someone yeah. off. I, I I don't know. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation to to go down. Uh, and there's definitely not a, a solid answer out there for it. No. And there, and there hopefully will be in the future. And maybe someday they'll figure out how to get a tacky ball into the major leagues. Um haven't heard much about the rest of that when we talked about that earlier in the season. But right. They on. they were using that tacky ball to what in double A in the Southern League. Yeah. And then it had some weird adverse effects. There were way more hit batsmen and all this other yeah. stuff. It's like, okay, whatever they're trying with that sticky ball, it ain't working. So let's just go back to what we had. Absolutely. So let's move on. Okay. Minor league news. Homer Bush is heading to San Antonio to help the missions in the final stretch and with the postseason. So congratulations to Homer Bush. This was a surprise move. I he yeah. was doing okay in 
in in single A with like Elsinore wasn't necessarily tearing the cover off the ball. And I kind of figured if he was going to move up, it would be one step to high A Port Wayne, who is also in a playoff race. Right. Right. I, I, I think with the age, um, the the experience level when he was drafted, a four-year college, um, I'm pretty sure it's more than likely going to be just for the playoffs. And then when he comes back into spring training, he'll break camp with probably Fort Wayne. Because I, when I talk to him, I'm like, you're not going to be back here next year. I don't think there's too much he can learn from A ball. Uh, he can certainly learn some stuff from high A. Um, and, and double A, you know, might he might need another year in, in high A just to get ready for double A. Uh, but he's got a couple of hits, and we'll talk about that later in, in the uh, in the rundown. But it was it was interesting. I don't think it was like, what are they doing? They're going to stunt his growth or development as a player. But it was very interesting having him go up to double A. Right. Yeah. And it isn't necessarily about what do you need to learn at each level. I mean, it, it is about that, but it's also about demonstrating your proficiency that you've yeah. earned that promotion up to the next level. Um, and not to say that he wasn't doing a good job in, in you know the California League, but He's it's doing great. Yeah, but I don't know. It's it's just it caught me by surprise as some of these moves that this organization's been doing this year, moving guys up aggressively, have been some head scratchers. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so Will Varmet, he moved up to Fort Wayne. So they moved a, a handful of guys up right at the last minute there uh, to help kind of fortify the roster in Fort Wayne for this last weekend of the season. Um, I, I'm curious to see who winds up sticking on the roster through next Tuesday, which is when their postseason starts. Uh, but, uh, you know, good for Will Varmet. He was an unsigned free agent. Um, so good showing in, in uh, Lake Elsinore. Moved up to Fort Wayne. Got a little bit, little bit nicked up in that in that game that he entered, but you know, he got to celebrate in the, in the, the beer shower after the game. So good for him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Tyler Robertson also made his way up to Fort Wayne as well. Not, not such a big, big fanfare there, but he's done really well. He has. Yeah. He's definitely earned it out of anybody on that, on that squad. The podcast mojo alone should have got him there anyway. Yeah. Are you kidding me? (laughs) All right. So, Hey, I found this today when I was at work now, MLB pipeline, posted how many players for each team were chosen for the MLB Pipeline's team of the week, and the Padres had 12. So if you open up this link, it shows all the all the teams, and the most, the most uh, players on it were the Rockies, Diamondbacks, and Orioles. Now, there are three. Rockies are a little surprising. Uh, Diamondbacks, not so much, but certainly um, Baltimore – with the way their organization has been run these past five, five to ten, five to ten years, um, we're bound to have this huge ma- amount groundswell of young talent making these teams. So I found that really interesting. I found the Rockies really interesting, simply because they just haven't. No one's come up with that system that I can remember. That's like, oh my god, groundbreaking. Or you know, some someone that we've that I follow the minor leagues and it hasn't come up. You know, right? Well, the Orioles. The Orioles seem to have a top prospect every week bouncing up right now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you look at that lineup and you're like, who's Gunner? So then right guy? behind who's... them with 12 players. Yeah, right. And then right behind them with 12, t- 12 players that made the list were the Tigers, the Mariners, and the Padres. And with the Padres, so I haven't gone back to look and see who was on the list each week, but it's been different guys consistently. So it's not like one guy made the list 12 times. Right. You got your Robbie Stellings, you got your Graham Pauly, um, you know, Nathan Mortarella, um, some of the younger guys, 
I think Dylan Lesko made made it once. I'm surprised we didn't have that on the on the roundup more often. I, I usually see those and I usually pick it up. So I, I know I've had some in the past, but I just don't remember having twelve. Hmm. I just found it well, good for them. No, that's yeah. that's great. It kind of shows you know, the Padres haven't gotten a lot of love. Uh, like Baseball America, I'm on there all the time. I'm always looking at who's on their hot sheet, and the Padres rarely get somebody mentioned on their hot sheet. Uh, but MLB Pipeline's paying attention. Yeah, you know it's funny because then the 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 three teams with the least, Angels, White Sox, and Pirates. Um, God, you know it, it's just telling. I you know, it's kind of telling with where those organizations are. Yeah, the the Pirates they've been a bottom feeder for so long with high draft picks and all this. You would figure that they would have the the talent coming up through there. Yeah, um, you know, that's that's kind of rough. You know, and then with four was Washington Nationals, Philadelphia Phillies, and. And the Braves and the Nationals didn't they? They just they just fired like four of their top scouts, right? Yeah, they fired their they fired yeah they fired a whole bunch of guys. They're doing oh, a cleaning the house over there, and the international guy quit. Yeah, <laughs> peace. Wow, deuces. <laughs> I you know so there are things to read between the lines, but I'm not surprised that the Angels are down at the bottom of the list because it seems like every week something comes out that just reiterates that. That organization's not being run very well. No, it's not. And, and on top of that, they seem to have the worst luck in the whole league with as far as it comes to injuries and all this other stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. Okay. So, so recently the judge, so the losses over MLB's expulsion to two minor new teams is going forward. So this is from Evan Drellick of the athletic. <clears throat> A pair of minor league teams that lost their affiliation with major league baseball deserve a jury trial. A judge in New York State's highest civil court ruled Wednesday the order was a blow to MLB, which had sought to dismiss the case entirely. The Tri-City Valley Cats, a former Houston Astros affiliate based near Albany, New York, and the Norwood Sea Unicorns, went to Detroit Tigers Farm Club in Connecticut, sued the league in separate cases. Both teams had their lost their affiliates before the 2021 season, and when MLB cut 40 teams from its minor league system, combined, the two minor league teams are seeking damages north of $30 million. Quote, when Major League Baseball created their 120 plan to eliminate 40 teams, there was a contract among all the minor league teams that they would stick together and negotiate as a group, said Jim Quinn, an attorney representing the minor league teams. But instead, Major League Baseball, knowing that these contracts exist, didn't care and said it's 120 teams or nothing. They force the other teams to violate that contract, and that's called tortuous interference with a contract. Man, that's that's some tough legal verbiage there, man. It is, but I mean, you you think we think back to what happened, and minor league baseball was operating as a separate entity, and they had certain bargaining power. And then once the uh, the deadline came for them to renew that uh, development agreement. Yeah. Um, what, we, what was it called? The PDA? Yeah, the, the player development agreement. That's yeah. yeah. Then once that expired and Major League Baseball like just walked in and, and took over, then all that leverage went away. Yeah, absolutely. So MLB is arguing that the teams lost the right to claim interference because they themselves negotiated for a spot in the reorganized minor league system. So they're saying, like, well, because everyone's like, well, we want to be in, we want to be in, we want to be in that. That negates the contract that they're supposed to negotiate together. But by design, that's the way Major League Baseball did it. Like, here, there's, there's 120 spots. We know who they're going to be, but there's probably a handful of that we can negotiate with. 
Yeah, but they said, let's just go fight amongst yourselves. Pretty much. Pretty much like some kind of Thunderdome. Yeah. <laughs> Hunger Games kind of thing. Right? 160 teams enter, 120 will walk out. <laughs> so some of the minor league teams claim have so some of the minor league teams' claims have been dismissed. But what remains is what Quinn called the guts of the case. I feel pretty good about our chances on the merits because I can't really figure out what's their defenses. Quinn said they virtually admit that they did all these things that they did. I don't know what they're going to say. Yeah, we did all these things, but it's okay. It was nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean it's it's business, but it's some shady kind of business, and it yeah. it kind of felt that way when they took over. It's like they just they leveraged what happened in 2020 with COVID and the shutdowns and all of this and the financial hardships that a lot of these organizations were facing. And they kind of used that to their advantage and they were able to just kind of strong arm their way in and, and remove baseball from 20 cities, 40 cities around, around the country. Um, So the sea unicorns, they're in Norwich, Connecticut, and they've, they had an amazing logo. If, if you uh, haven't seen it, it's a, it's a narwhal with a yeah. captain's hat, and he's got the yellow fisherman's jacket on, like the Gorton fisherman, and he's got a spear, like a spear gun. I mean, it's it's a great un- it's great uniform. Um, yeah. And they've had baseball, so they've only been founded since 2010. Um, but still, yeah, I mean, so you know, Norwich- it always sucks to see a, fa- a a community lose professional baseball like that. So we were going to either like I first thing I did check when we instead of going to uh, the Cape Cod League, I checked Norwich where they were. They were out of town. So we didn't go see a Norwich uh, Sea Unicorn game. We went to the Cape Cod. <laughs> it is. But we've talked to, you know, we've talked to players just most recently, HBJ, Homer Bush Jr., where he talked about and I asked him about how, you know, the fans showed up like they're still a very, very much integrated into the community that they are in. And the community really loves the baseball team. So yes, they lost affiliation with Major League Baseball, and they're just a, you know like a lower tier draft league now. Um, but the community is still involved. They're involved in the community. So um, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, like some of these teams, they lose their affiliation. Well, like who are they going to have play? Um, right now, they're in the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's a it's a summer wood bat collegiate league it's like it's like a draft league they're affiliated with the what do they call it the 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 major league baseball is yeah it's major league baseball futures the futures league a partner league there we go that was the term i'm looking for but it's still it's it's not professional baseball it's not affiliated with where you can look out and say okay these are the detroit tigers of the future and then coming through is the hot prospect from blah 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 or rehabbing this week from the yankees is Here's here's Giancarlo Stanton on a rehab assignment. Come watch him mash some dingers and have an Ethan's <laughs> hot dog, you know? <laughs> yeah, a- absolutely. Oh, okay. So let's keep on moving. So the Mad Friars put out an interview with Pete Samora a while ago, um, you know, about a week ago. And Pete Samora, he's... He's one of the more colorful people in the organization. He's a lifetime baseball guy, uh, former pitcher, but he's just a baseball rat altogether. And I like how that some of that came out in here because we know him as a pitching coach. Um, And while he loves the pitching side of it, 
he loves the whole game management side of it that much more and the you know, developing individuals, mm-hmm. developing, developing men and ball players. So um, this is a really good interview. So after spending two years as the pitching coach for double a San Antonio, Pete Zamora returned to Lake Elsinore this season to manage the storm. It was a Southern California homecoming for the mission Viejo native, who was the Cal league manager of the year in 2019. And that's when you got to know him quite well. Yeah. Uh, so Mad Friars, I wanted to start with two guys who aren't here anymore, Ethan Salas and Robbie Snelling. All of us can read about the offensive numbers that Ethan Salas put up at 17 here, but as a former pitching coach, what did you see from him defensively? What matters to me the most is his receiving skills and his quality hands. For a kid that young to be dialed into how important his receiving and presenting the baseball to the umpire, especially at the bottom of the zone, it has to be in the top tier of our organization. I've also seen a lot of good ones in Chandler Siegel and Luis Camposano, and he receives the ball very well. He has a lot of confidence back there, doesn't panic, and has just shown a lot of maturity for that position. And that that's something that kind of stood out to me yeah. going back to spring training when I watched him on the back lot. Like he looked like he just he fit in. He didn't look yeah. rushed. Nothing looked out of place. You just if you didn't know that he was a teenager, he'd look like like you know any other experienced catcher in the organization. So Matt Fryers asks, you guys ask a lot of your catchers, did he handle the meetings by going over the game plans well? And this is something I've been particularly curious about. Absolutely. So he says, oh yeah, coming from a pitching coach background, I don't think there's any more critical position on the field than the catching position because of all they have to handle and then try to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. It's a very important position that we put on their plate before, during, and after the game. He's been impressive in his ability to work and we've had to teach him things that he still needs to do. It's the experience part, the meetings part, taking care of your body after the game. Uh, we want him for a long time, and he's been progressing and picking things up he never really had to do before. And so that's the whole, okay, move him up to high A and then quickly rush him up to double A. That's what I've been curious about. Like, right. what are the lessons he has to learn along the way to really develop as a fully rounded catcher? Because pop time and, and framing and hitting – are the things that we see as fans, but all the stuff behind the scenes is what makes uh, like Martin Maldonado. That's the catcher for Houston that can't hit all that well. And there are things that aren't all that great about his defensive metrics, but the guy's a wizard calling games behind the plate and his relationship with the pitchers and all this stuff is what makes him so good at what he does. And so Salas sounds like he has the potential to be there. He's got a lot to learn, which anybody that's, that age has so much to learn. Absolutely. Um, so I'll be curious to see what happens next year, where he gets assigned. I can't imagine he's just going to jump straight to double A unless he really blows the socks off some, some evaluators. Yeah. So Robbie Snelling's performance was as good as any pitcher in the Cal league this season. What impressed you the most about him? And what do you think his next big step will be? <clears throat> Zamo. I've heard a lot about him. The football background from Reno he came to as advertised with his personality. No one is better in the weight room. There is no one classier guy and a great person in the clubhouse. He never gets frazzled on the mound. He goes out in that silent compete mode. The professionalism for him was high end for me. I had Mackenzie Gore and I put him, I put him Robbie into that class and his ability to work, concentration, dedication to craft and competing. He's that dialed in. He's not afraid to throw the fastball over the plate and not afraid if he gets hit a bit to keep the ball in the zone. If they hit it, some young kids start throwing the ball off the plate. Robbie will kick into another gear and think, huh, if you hit me once, 
I'm going to come at you again, which is the mentality we are looking for. The stuff is going to improve as the experience comes. I was extremely impressed with Robbie Snelling. And that was one of the things that I got about talking to him for the few minutes I did in the beginning of the season was like down, down to earth, kind of nice guy. I mean, uh, we were talking and the, the broad, the new broadcast guy was there and then he mentioned some song and then they started talking about some song and like, it was just a big old chatty thing. Like the guy has the confidence and, and the personality um, to go along with this bulldog, fierce competitor um, kind of persona on the field. And, and that, that, that I think you need, you know, I, I think I, I, I like personality. Um, <clears throat> it shows a confidence and it shows a, an ability to just kind of be outside yourself a little bit. And then the competitor on the field is just, I mean, you see the stuff. Yeah. We saw, I mean, Mackenzie Gore kind of defined a lot of that. Um, and so I'm, that was encouraging to me to see him mention him in the same sentence, uh, as far it's as Matt. the preparation, the concentration, the work ethic, the competitiveness, uh, because that's that's the kind of stuff that you can't you can't teach somebody. Yeah. Somebody either is wired that way or they're not. Yeah. So I've talked to you a few times before when we were when you were pitching coach. How do you like managing as compared to your past duties? Zamo. I always consider myself more of a baseball guy than a pitching coach. My dad was a high school baseball coach for 42 years. So I grew up in the dugout. <clears throat> I always knew that managing would be what I wanted to do eventually. When I got back in the business, I was a pitching guy and had a lot of fun when I came here in 2016. As the years went on, it was starting to fade in that. I wanted the whole aspect of the game. Pitching is great. That's what I did when I played, and I love to teach it, but I was missing the whole game. So when the opportunity came, it took in a, I took it in a heartbeat. <clears throat> I wonder if he's got aspirations to be a major league manager someday. I, he has... I, you know, maybe it's just me, you know, projecting, but he has that kind of mentality and you see him, he'll get out there. He'll, he'll fight for his players. He'll, he'll defend when he says, do you see something that's not right? He'll let the, the umpires know. Right. And I mean, <laughs> he's, he's an engaging guy to talk to, but at the same time, he's, he's buttoned up. Yeah. You know, he's, he's not kind of like when we talked to Mike McCoy a while ago. Yeah. He was, you know, he was having a little bit more fun with it and some guys, and that's great. And, you know, at some levels, that's what's, you know, that works well with the guys. Uh, but I could see Pete Zamora wind up making that move up. You know, I, maybe it's as a pitching coach, but it sounds like being a manager one day might be in the cards for him. Yeah. So you have other things to do than just working with the pitchers and position players. You have to work with coaches, the front office. It's a lot of hats. Samo, I learned from my dad and watched the guys I looked up to when I played. I was in big, big league camp with the Angels, Mike Sosha, Joe Madden in the day. You must be good with people and touch as much as possible daily. It's your strength coach, clubhouse manager, and everyone who is a part of what you do daily. Baseball guys are routine guys, and I love routines. I'm collaborating with English teachers to ensure our Latin players will get the best opportunities. It's just a lot of fun to be involved in the whole process. My day is full as opposed to when I was a pitching coach. I like hearing that stuff that, yeah. that <clears throat> there's the things going on outside of baseball. You know, of course, Zamo, he's got to talk to everybody, you know, that's, that's working with the kids. Um, and he's got to keep the guys in the front office happy, you know, keep the broadcasters, you know, give yeah. them their sound clips and all that stuff. Um, but the little bit about the, the, 
the English coach uh, to teach to teach the Latin players a little bit of English to make them a little bit better. When we were there and uh, doing our interviews, and there was the the girl there that was working with the guys on like mental yeah she was uh, the mental, mental health coach. yeah yeah. And I don't know what the, it was something to do with coloring and, and different guys. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like, what's your mood today or, or something like that. Um, but having that check in because it's hard. I, you think about baseball being a game, you're going out, you're playing a game and it should be fun and all this. It's a grind. It's travel. Yeah. You're away from family for long stretches. It's time. Um, it, it, it wears on you. And then you've yeah. got all these expectations that you're trying to keep up with. Um, and then on top of that, you need to keep an eye on the future. Like, you know, and so you need to have somebody to check in with you every once in a while. Be like, you know, are, are you okay? Um, and then the English teachers working with the Latin guys, you try to get them a little bit better opportunity because someday, even if they're amazingly successful baseball players, their career will be over by the time they're 40. And then what do you do for the rest of your time? Do you want to try right. to stay in the States and, and find a career here? Uh, you know, the Andres that was our interpreter that day, he was one of those guys. He's from another yeah. country, wound up staying here. He is making his living in baseball adjacent to baseball. Cause now he's running the finance side of the, of the, the ball club. Uh, but you know, if he didn't learn the English language, that opportunity wouldn't be there for him. Right. Right. And, and that the whole round, the whole round, everything around baseball with the player, I, I find is really important. So, you know, it's funny that the, the story, the uh, mental coach, and I can't remember her name. I got her email uh, and I hope to have her on the podcast in the future. She works for the Padres. She doesn't work for the Storm. She doesn't work for the Elmore Group. She works for the Padres. So she was there in the capacity with the Padres or for the Padres, <clears throat> which I'm sure they have at every level, the the, the mental coach. Oh, interesting. Yeah. She was yeah, I was just I was just trying to Google real quick and she doesn't show up on their on their coaching staff, but that would be why. And she was very young, though. That was very that's what I found interesting. She was very young. Yeah, yeah, I would guess she's in her like early twenties. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm I'm glad that they've got somebody there just to check in with the guys from time to time. You know, absolutely. All right, All right so let's, let's jinx buy me a coke. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's thank Madfires, man, once again. But thank you, guys, John Conniffin, for another great season of of dailies, uh, of of great uh, DMs in our little DM groups. Uh, thanks for all the uh, the information. And the ability to use that and to promote you guys while we butcher most of it, at least I cut and paste all of it. And um, we really appreciate it, you guys. And, and to the listeners, like it's worth paying. It's five bucks a month. It's like 50 bucks a year. You get all the days are free. You get those free, but all the other inside content, all the other interviews that you have that we haven't had as much this year um, that you get to know these players you know, well before they make it to the majors, or even if they don't, you you get to know a little bit more about them and what they're about, and that that I think is what really stands out about what they do and what we do as well. Uh, trying to get to know the player behind the uniform. All right, so take us down into the affiliate rundown. Take us down to the storm. Ah, uh, strike one Thursday after surging to get to come into their showdown series, only one game back. Lake Yosinor has dropped the first three contests and has been eliminated from playoff spot. From a playoff womp, spot. Womp, womp, womp. Womp, Breck Eichelberger posted his third consecutive scoreless outing and he's got, as he got the start on the mountain, the 23-year-old Utah native is 0-1, has a 6.23 ERA 
and eight and two thirds innings in his first professional season. He just came up a couple of weeks ago. Undrafted free agent. Yeah. Yeah. So Francis Pena, who made his way to Fort Wayne, uh, added five out, uh, added five outs of scoreless baseball of his own, striking out two and allowing two hits. The 22 year old Dominican righty has been sublime since joining the storm, posting a point five one ERA and 17 and two thirds innings of work, striking out 17 batters while walking two. Dylan Head hit his third triple of the season and a second since being promoted to Lake Elsinore. The 2023 first-round pick has posted a 564 OPS and just 45 at-bats for the Storm, but two of his nine hits have been triples. HBJ got it done on the base pass, logging a hit, scoring a run, and stealing a base. Well, <laughs> that and all the bag of chips. Uh, while also working a pair of walks. The 21-year-old from Grand Canyon University alum owns a 396 OBP since joining the Storm. Obviously, now that, he's up. And... <clears throat> that would be All Homer right. Bush Jr. Homer Bush Jr. HBJ. So you're going to hear that. I call him HBJ. All right. Strike two on Friday. Jay Bashir's had the first three-hit game of his professional career with a double and two singles to extend his hitting streak to six games. The game that I went to, what, a week and a half ago, Bashir's was playing first base. And that's the first time I'd seen him on the field. And he's listed at six foot four. He's there every bit of it. He's a big kid. Have you have you seen him out there on the field yet? I, I know I've seen him, but I just haven't recognized him. Because he was the guy that when the draft happened, he was listed as a second baseman, but he's six foot four. Right. And and the question is like, well, where is he going to play? It sounds like he could play th- some mm-hmm. third base, some first base. I saw in an interview that he was an outfielder before he went to college, and then they started playing him around the infield. Uh, but it sounds like the guy can play pretty much wherever, and the bat's what's going to carry him. Um, so far, he's been hitting pretty well. Okay, uh, catcher Jacob Campbell was activated from the develop- development list before the game and celebrated with the best offensive game of his career. Campbell had three hits, including a pair of doubles and three RBI. The former University of Illinois product signed with the Padres last season as an undrafted free agent. Man, the Padres have been doing a lot of undrafted free agent business. And they've been doing really well. They have. Yeah. Wyatt Hoffman had three hits, drove in a pair of runs, and stole his 20th base of the season in the storm win. 20 bases. Good for him. Righty Braden Nett made the start and showed flashes but struggled with the control. Nett pitched four and a third innings, showing an upper 90s fastball and an excellent changeup. Overall, Net allowed three runs on five hits, walking three and striking out four before leaving. Righty Eric Yost took over for Net and pitched one and two thirds scoreless innings to earn his first professional win. He notched nice. a hit. He allowed a hit and notched a strikeout. So that's always <laughs> cool. You get the ball back. You write on it. Hey, first professional win on this date. Put it up on the shelf and nobody can ever take that away from you. No, absolutely. And I and I'm starting to like this Braden Net kid. He, uh, you know, if he can control, if he can find that control, he throws gas. And I posted a bunch of videos of his of his changeup, or it must have been a changeup or a slider. But he throws gas, and he has a good off speed stuff. So I think he's probably probably going to be in the bullpen moving forward. You know, as he moves up. But like, there's a lot to like with this kid. It just the ball jumps out of his hand, and uh, you know, he leaves a changeup a little bit up on the zone. And it's got knocked around a little bit, but I, I'm I'm. I'm a Braden Nett fan. I'm all in. All right, there we go. Braden Nett. That's Donovan's <clears throat> guy. <laughs> all right, strike three. So Sunday, the comeback kids. I like we were talking about this before. I watched this game and right away, um, Martinez gave up a bunch of runs, and it just it was like he he couldn't find it. He kept walking guys and they'd get a hit, and it just and the offense was just sputtering. And and as I'm watching TV while I watch this game, I'm just kind of like going through the motions there. 
And all of a sudden they score, they come back and they score a bunch of runs. And then they, they not walk it off, but the top of the ninth, they score the winning runs. And it was a fantastic game to the end. But most of the game was like, okay, this is just going to be the, you know, the series, the, their season is going to end in a sputter. So the storm fell behind 5-0 early, but finished their season with a bang, rallying for a win with the final Cal League contest of the year. Jay Brashears capped the comeback with the RBI double, his third hit of the game. The Padres' sixth-round pick ended his campaign on an eight-game hitting streak. Romeo Santabria, who I get mixed up with the other Santabria, put on a loud finishing touch of the season, connecting on two doubles. After turning in one of the top offensive years in the Arizona Complex League, the big left-handed slugger posted a 283, 424, 434, and just 16 games with Lake Elsinore at the end of the season. Eight of the 21-year-old's 15 hits for the Storm went for extra bases, though he didn't get one over the fence. Nick McClary had a single and double to finish the season with a 10-game hitting streak that raises OPS to uh, 278 points to avoid, to sorry, to a solid 752 mark. Rarity Alejandro Lugo came on with the bases loaded and with two outs in the third inning and got a strikeout to keep the game close. The 21-year-old delivered three more innings, giving up just one earned run as he struck out four additional batters. After fighting his command in the Complex League in 2019, signed out of Venezuela, he posted a 22-3 to strikeout-to-walk ratio for the storm. That's Lugo. <clears throat> then Ruben Galindo who had to return to Lake Elsinore after a rough seven-week stretch with Fort Wayne early in the summer, capped a stellar second half by closing out the win with a scoreless inning. The 22-year-old, who was the Columbia's team, who was pitching for Columbia on the World Baseball Classic to open the year, gave up only four runs over the final 30 and third innings of the California League. It wouldn't be surprising to see Galindo added to the Tin Caps roster for the playoffs. Yeah, he pitched in that last game that I went to up there, and I was surprised at how hard he throws. I yeah. I guess I'd forgotten that from when I last saw him in 2019. Um, so I looked it up. So we got Romeo Santabria. You got Jose Santabria. Yeah. And their names are similar. They're not related at all. And you see them out on the field and they're totally different looking people. Right, right, right. Romeo Santabria <laughs> is a load. He is a big dude. He is thick. He's built. Yeah. He's a catcher, first baseman, and he just looks strong. And then Jose Santabria is a shortstop. He's wiry. He's got the quick twitch kind of thing going on. Uh, but I love having two guys with a same or similar last name, like they're brothers from different mothers. Uh, like last year, we had Juan Zavala and Jose Zavala yeah. on the uh, on the, the 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 roster. It's fun. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Absolutely. It's, okay, so moving on to Fort Wayne. And this is this was a fun week to follow in Fort Wayne. They had to win. They they needed a little bit of help to get into the playoffs, uh, but it took every little bit that they had. So strike one, Wednesday was a roller coaster and too much to document. With the victory, Fort Wayne remains a half game ahead of the West Michigan Whitecaps for a spot in the Midwest League playoffs. There are four games remaining in the regular season. By the way, uh, Mike Nutter, Mike Nutter is a baseball guy through and through. He's the president of operations or general manager, whatever the title is for the tin caps. He's been there forever. And he put down, he posted a piece of paper that he put on his desk and he put this down like six months ago or six weeks ago. He was looking at the standings. He's like, this is what we have to do to get there. And like he had each week and he's like, okay, if we win three out of five games here, win two out of five, win four and like that. And 
it came out exactly the way that he thought it would. Like at the top, he had 18 and what was it? 18 and five and we're in 17 and six. Not so sure. Right, right, right. And, and they wound up with the lesser of the two records. And as fate would have it, they needed a little bit of help to get in. Okay, so uh, the Tin Caps raced out to a 6 nothing lead, only to trail 8-6 to six two innings later. Yeah, After cool. fighting back to tie the game, they would score five in the ninth to blow it open and win. The game's biggest hit came from the hitter who needed it most, Samuel Zavala. The young center fielder had started his high A career going two for 41 with 17 strikeouts. Boy, I guess that shows you You think of single A and high A is like, you know, just a little step up. But there's a big difference there. He came up in the ninth with the bases loaded and delivered a bases clearing double to center. This was after he'd smoked a two RBI single earlier in the game. It was his first extra base hit with the tin caps and his first multi RBI game since August 17th before the big uh, ninth inning rally, Tyler Robinson thought he'd broken the tie with a towering shot to left in the eighth. The ball was originally ruled a home run, but the umpires correctly conferred and changed the hit to a double as it was just a few feet short of the yellow line on the left field wall. After the call was changed, Tim Caps manager Jonathan Matthews was ejected for arguing the call. This is an outrage. It was Robert. Guys are bees out there. You're pulling back home runs. What the? Yeah, it was Robertson's second triple with the club in his fourth of the year. He's hitting 500 with a 566 on base and a 1,000 slugging in September. You know, I wonder if if Jonathan Matthews, like if he knew that it hit below the line and he just had to go out there on principle, like to stand up for his guy. (laughs) And that's what a good manager does. He'll take one from the team, even when he knows he's wrong. (laughs) All right, so strike two. Uh, Friday, the 10 caps. Fell behind 1-0 in the first inning, but erupted for four runs in the fourth inning and never looked back. Shortstop Kerwin Pichardo hit a game-tying single. Then right fielder Tyler Robinson knocked a go-ahead two-run triple. Left fielder Kai Murphy added an RBI single. So third baseman Carlos Luis tacked on a two-run homer in the seventh. First baseman Griffin Dorsing gave further insurance with a run-scoring single in the ninth. Meanwhile, Dylan Lesko showed more moxie and guile, getting through four innings with five strikeouts. Let's go walk. Six batters allowed just one run on two hits. Now, I watched this game, and it was rough. He just could not find the strike zone. and But it was one of those things where he'd walk a couple guys, you know, getting out, you know, he'd get out of the trouble. And he just, you know, it reminded me a little bit of Robbie Snelling. Like, he'd get himself in trouble. Um, You know, this is more self-imposed trouble than you would see with Robbie, but, like, he'd get in trouble and really have to bear down and, and get out of it. <clears throat> So unless uh, so, Lesko has likely thrown his final. So unless they go to the playoffs, which they are now, Lesko hasn't seen his last pitch. So he'll probably pitch in the playoffs. While the overall numbers aren't sparkling by any means, his stuff has looked elite at times. And next year he will be further removed from Tommy John surgery. Lesko turned twenty on Thursday. Rookie Tyler Morgan followed with two hitting, uh, hitless innings, as did Isa Rousen after having a single. In the first and another in the second, the Dragons didn't get a hit again until there was two outs in the ninth. Lucas Dunn, Dorsing, and catcher Anthony Villar and Picardo each had two hits. You know, so let's go. The expectations are so high. He's already a yeah. top 100 prospect, you know, all of this. But 
yes, he's on his way back from Tommy John. So finishing the year healthy yeah. is by far the most important thing. Um, and then the little lessons he can learn along the way, fighting through some adversity, that's all, that's all gravy. Uh, yeah. But as long as he makes it to the end of September and everything feels good, then this year is a huge win. You know, we the same thing with Henry Williams. Henry Williams was the third round guy coming back from Tommy John. And the expectations for him were like, all right, dude, just show up. And we talked about it. Well, I talked about it with him. Like, all right, just show up healthy. Just get through the season. He's like, yeah, that's all I'm doing. Just want to get through the season healthy and, and be fine. Um, mm -hmm. He's now in the, in the Kansas City Royals organization. Um, but with Lesko, it's since he's the top draft pick and there's all this expectation, there's a little more. Well, he should be doing better. Uh, you know, not for me, but I kind of feel that from 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 the uh, from the uh, from the from the Twitter glitterati. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of Twitter glitterati with some <clears throat> interesting opinions out there. Sometimes I'm one of them. Uh, <laughs> it gets messy. All right, so strike three on Saturday, the Tin Caps belted five homers, and starting pitcher Austin Crobb spun six innings of one run ball to keep a half game ahead of West Michigan in the Midwest League standings. Crobb, who works off a very good sinker, struck out seven more and now has a 124 across 109 in the third innings at the two single-A levels in his first professional campaign. Uh, Donovan was calling it a slider and a changeup on Twitter. Uh, Carter, Lowen, <laughs> Carter Lowen uh, pitched the tin caps out of a jam. With one out and the bases loaded in the eighth inning, uh, the friend of the podcast got a strikeout and a soft fly out to right field to escape the jam, then worked around an error and a walk to close out the game in the ninth inning. Lowen hasn't given up a run in five of his last six outings. Coming back from Tommy John surgery, he's shown an ability to go more than one inning this year. And I'm you know, Carter Lowen, he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit this year. Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping that next year he starts to make a name for himself a little bit more because I'd really love to see him make it. I really think he'll be in double A next year. Oh yeah, that makes like a lot he, of sense. Like before before his arm blew out, he was he was the closer for for the for the uh, for ten caps. Oh yeah, and was doing well. Like was getting ready to go to like he's we're talking about it every week. Like he's going to go to double A. He's ready to go to double A. Bam, elbow blows out. Mm. So he's he's back. And now he's and guess who's back? Back, back again. <laughs> That's a theme no, today. Back, right? Yep. Uh, so shortstop Kervin Pichardo launched a solo bomb to deep left, giving the Tin Caps a two to one advantage. The Caps added two more in the top of the seventh on back to back homers by first baseman Griffin Dorshing and designated hitter Albert Fabian. That's a lot of power back to back with those right. two bats. <laughs> in the ninth, Pichardo whacked his second home run before Murphy went yard two batters later with a two run shot. Lots of bombs. Fort, Fort Wayne's home five homers matched a season high prior to this year, as the Tin Caps have set a franchise record for homers with the Midwest League leading 136. Fort Wayne hadn't homered five times in a game since 2005. You know, you know, when those guys, Albert Fabian, who's had he's he's had a tough transition to high A. Like he hasn't had. I think he was hitting like two three, two oh three, two ten. Uh, just just you know, we got he was hit. He was leading the league in A ball. Uh, but it just kind of goes to show you once you move up, like their guy competition is much better. And so you have to make those adjustments. I think he will. I would just, I, it was disheartening for me to like, damn, you know, man, he's having a tough season. Once you get up to, to Fort Wayne. Yeah. Well, not everybody can do what grand Polly did and just kind of roll up and keep on going. It's yeah, it's hard. And so when you see those mid season promotions and then they struggle a little bit in the second half, 
you know, hopefully they're filling up their notebook with things they need to work on. Yeah. And they go, go to work in the off season, come back next year and, and hit the ground running. Cause you see that a lot. They'll struggle a little bit. The first taste of that level. And then they have a chance to come back and they're comfortable. And it's like the game slows down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, perfect point. Their game does slow down. So you got a little ball one bonus on here. The tin caps win despite the loss. And so we were both sitting there glued to our respective TVs on Sunday, uh, watching the final game of the season. And I was hoping to see that moment when that last out happens and the tin caps get to celebrate on the field. Turns out it didn't work out that way. Tin caps lost their game. And then it was up to the white caps. They needed a little bit of help from the, uh, from the loons to put the tin caps away. Uh, But we got to see the scene in the in the in the the clubhouse, really right? Cool. <laughs> Everybody's really cool. around the TV, <clears throat> and then the third out happens, and everybody goes nuts. God, and then with Victor Lizarraga, I almost, I I would have say I could have jinxed it because I was gonna text John Nolan, hey, look, post the video on you know of the celebration on the field. I want to use it for the podcast. I did not, and Victor Lizarraga pitched pretty darn good. He did he really well, real well. Yeah. He had yeah. six innings, a scoreless, scoreless mm. ball. So I was yeah. so happy for him, you know, big moment. Uh, and Dylan sin put out a good art. He's been doing a great job all season uh, with the, uh, the Fort Wayne uh, Gazette journal. Yeah. The Gazette journal. And so he put out a, a big article after the, after the game, it's up there today. Uh, go check it out. He's got a lot of interviews from a lot of guys, but Liz Raga talking about how he loves those big game moments, how that's what gets him up. That's what he's wired for. And you see some guys kind of wilt in that, in that yeah. moment and he loves it. So, you know, big game, Vic, let's go. All right, let's move on to San Antonio. Direct one Tuesday. The offense came to play on Tuesday as the mission scored 12 runs on 15 hits and left the yard twice. The missions played at seven runs during the third inning on seven hits. Cole Cummings finished the night a triple shy of the cycle. The former UC Santa Barbara star connected on a home run for the third time in four games, his ninth of the year. He also drove in four runs and scored a pair. He's really, the past few weeks, he's really kind of come on to his own. Um, you know, he's been up there all year. I think kind of struggled at, at, at times, had showed sparks of of of, of life at the, at the play, but certainly in these past couple of weeks, he's really kind of slowed down the game and has hit really well. Um, he also drove in four runs and scored a pair. Over his last five games, a 25-year-old is eight for 17 with two doubles, three homers, and nine RBIs. He has 13 total bases in the last two games. In the third inning with runners on the corners, Ripken Reyes and Jacob Marcy executed a double steal, resulting in Reyes stealing home. <laughs> that always gets me. The, That's really the cool. double steal in the minor leagues, you don't see that a whole lot in the majors because the pitcher knows you don't throw to second when right. you got a runner on right. third. Right, right, as right, right, as right. You, as soon as you start to throw, that guy's going to take off, yeah. and it's smooth sailing. Or I don't know if it was the, the catcher that threw down. Maybe you faint that throw, and then you back pick the guy. Right. But come on. Right. I know you that, and I didn't throw. even play high school ball. <clears throat> so Grand Pauly singled three times and drew a walk in the San Antonio victory. In 11 games for the missions, Pauly is hitting 340, 392. 5'11 with just five strikeouts. That's what that's you want to scout the stout line? Sure, the numbers look good. It's the lack of strikeouts when he's not, he's making connect, he's making contact with the ball. Sorry. And he's hitting it hard. My gosh, yeah. Grand Pauly. What what did he get into? What did I, he I do? Did he because he wasn't hitting for this <clears throat> kind of power in like Elsinore? 
and he wasn't hit for for a whole lot of power. And I mean, it's what did he did he start eating a different cereal? What did he I, do? I, you know, I, I don't know. It could be the San Antonio Air. Uh, is he, he, is wasn't he wearing a different color socks? The it, the power hasn't quite come yet there, but the but the average is just really knock is really just huge, and the five strikeouts and five fifty one plate appearances is incredible. <clears throat> Back to it. Nathan Mortarella had two hits, including the second double A, his second double A homer. After hitting 16 homers with the tin caps, Mortarella has a chance to clear 20 homers in his first full season as a professional. Gabe Moser earned his first win of the season, tossing five shutout innings. He allowed five hits and walked one to go with seven strikeouts and nine outings and eight starts for the missions. Moser has a 4.41 ERA in 34 two thirds innings. So happy for Gabe Moser getting yeah. back out there. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know, he's a Tommy John rehabber himself. And so, uh, you know, you always wonder when somebody's coming back, are they going to come back looking like their former self? Um, but he's back. He's healthy. So, uh, you know, you get this season out of the way, like we were saying about Lesko. Yeah. You, know, you get this first season mm-hmm. under, you know, behind you, and then you come back strong next year. I still think of, I still want to see great things for Gabe Moser. Oh, absolutely. And, it, you know, he might. And he's not a fast. He, he does not throw hard. He he relies on on low command and 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 movement in his pitches, but it works. You know, he 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 keeps hitters off balance. Yep. Okay. So strike two on Wednesday, a week after Robbie Snelling had his best performance of his career, the defense faltered after he sat down the first six batters. A leadoff triple in the third that Midland converted for for a run. Uh, two missions errors kept the inning going and contributed to two unearned runs. Snelling came back out in the fourth inning, pitching aggressively, looking to punch out batters. He struck out a pair of batters, but also walked two before giving way. He needed 73 pitches. Between Lake Elsinore, Fort Wayne, and San Antonio, Snelling is 10-3 and three with a 1.82 ERA. He struck out 115 batters in 98 and two-thirds innings. Um, and I think that speaks back to what we were seeing with the Zambo interview like he gets hit a little bit it's like okay I'm just going to keep on bringing it and I'm going to make it worse for you yeah good luck hitting this and and those numbers are I think better if you look uh they're better than what Mackenzie Gore did you know Mackenzie Gore had struggled with the with the blister issue and IA uh he struggled with command after that got knocked around a couple times Snelling hasn't been really knocked around very much this year Oh, I noticed today uh, Mackenzie <clears throat> Mackenzie Gore was put on the injured list today by the Nationals with uh, a blister issue. Ah, uh, I mean it's it's like the most minor of physical ailments, right? But you know, at you least need... it's not an elbow. But you know, absolutely. Still, it's like when can I, I? I've got a theory that he needs to learn how to play guitar. All right. <laughs> yeah, because anybody who's tried to learn how to play, I tried to play bass. I was never any good at it, but I did it enough that I built up a little bit of the calluses on my fingertips. And so I would think that, you know, something along those lines could help a pitcher build up calluses, right? Yeah, nail file, uh, lift more weights. Uh, you know, for, for me, you know, I had calluses on my hands when I cooked, uh, you know, did all the cooking and, and worked with my hands like that. Dang, that's a that's lot how, of cooking. Well, that's, that's what you do when you use your hands for a living. Uh, not like a pitcher. Uh, to kind of go back to Robbie Snelling, I'm going to call it here. It's a really easy call. Minor league pitcher of the year. Oh, with with the with the Padres. Yeah, Snelling's will be minor league pitcher of the year. Oh, easy that's peasy. a shoe in. That's a shoe yeah. in. 
Okay, so Graham Pauly, uh, the game's first error was by Graham Pauly in his first two weeks in AA. Uh, offensively, Pauly continued one of the best seasons of the Padres organization. He singled, walked, and scored a run. Since going hitless in two of his first four games in San Antonio, Paul mm-hmm. has an eight-game hitting streak uh, with 14 game hits in that, in that span. He's hitting 533, 661, 667 over his last week and has only struck out once in his last seven games. <laughs> Across three levels, Paul Paulie's hitting 309, 397, 533. Paulie has reached the 2020 club in his first full season in the organization. He might be the offensive player of the year. I mean, Absolutely. of everybody in the organization, you've got bigger names in the org, but my gosh, he's just kept on going. Um, after striking out a career high five times on Tuesday, Jacob Marcy reached base three times without striking out. On the season, the speedy center fielder has a 410 on base percentage thanks to more walks, 97, than strikeouts, 94. Big, big, big Jacob Marcy fan. You know. All right, moving on to strikes. <laughs> a little bit of a dead air there. Uh, strike three, Saturday, Jairo Iriarte walked the first two batteries. Then after a brief meeting on the mound, struck out the next three. The 21-year-old did not allow a run until the third inning and struck out nine. The lone run was a solo homer and was the first homer he allowed in 24 and a third Texas League innings. That's in the Texas League. That's in double A. He's 21 years old. Command is still a concern for he walked a queer high five batters, though. So there's still lots to work on, but plenty to like. And Howard Iriarte is just, you know, once again, 21 years old and double A. Um international drafty lots lots to like there would love big Jairo Ariarte and a friend of the podcast Homer Bush Jr. made his double-A debut with a pair of hits and a nice defensive play in center field Jackson Merrill was held out of his third straight game with what has been described as a minor leg issue Ripken Reyes and Cole Cummings both hit homers for Reyes he's having the best year of his career now has 102 hits on the season 24 extra base hits, 30 steals, and 37 attempts, and has scored 81 runs thanks to drawing 54 walks and getting hit a body-numbing 46 times in 497 plate appearances. Cummings' blast in the seventh was his 10th of the year. Wait, so he's been hit 46 times in 497 plate. That's a hit-by-pitch rate of almost 10%. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like, like most guys don't walk guy. that often. I, I think he's on the plate. I think Reyes, he likes to sit on that plate. He's got to be. I mean, that was the thing for Ty France. Ty wasn't a big <clears> guy, but he was right on the plate with his elbow, like right over the top corner of that zone. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. I hope he's got some good armor when he goes up there. I'm sure right. he does. All right, bringing it to El Paso. Uh, strike one on Wednesday. Aaron Leisher pitched five innings and didn't allow any earned runs. This was the second time in a month. The sixth-round selection from 2017 has gone at least five innings without allowing an earned run. Jerickson Profar went one for three with a three-run home run and a walk. Pro- Profar has homered in both of the last two games. The Chihuahua stole three bases Wednesday, and they're now tied with Tacoma for the Pacific Coast League in team steals with 184. So Profar... Went deep in back-to-back games. That earned him his promotion to the majors. Welcome back to the Padres. A day after Tirso Ornelas failed to reach base safely for the first time since August 2nd, a stretch that included a 21-game hitting streak, he collected a double and two walks. The 23-year-old is hitting 295, 373, 436 in AAA, just below league average production in the PCL. That's crazy that 295, I- 373, 436 
is below league average production. That just tells you what an offensive circus the PCL is. Right. And and to see 295, you know, three, 373, 436 from, from Tirso and AAA, you're like, hell yeah, here we go. Let's go. But oh, it's that's the, just it's, average. You know, that's right. So he's getting on base, he's getting the hits. He's not slugging compared to the league. And so you think, you know, triple A, the ball carries, you're playing in all these hitters' ballparks. Uh, but Tierso's game has been ground balls and yeah. and not even really line drives. It's hard ground balls. So we're still waiting to see that next adjustment where the, the launch angle takes off just yeah. enough uh, to turn those hard ground balls into hard line drives and then look out. Uh, so second baseman Tim Lopes went two for three with an a walk in RBI. Lopes now has 128 hits, which is the fourth most fourth most in the league. Little tongue twister there. Wednesday was also manager Philip Wellman's 1,400th win in Ew. professional baseball. Willie. My goodness! Uh, so he got accolades from every corner of the baseball world on that. Philip Wellman is kind of world famous in the minor league baseball game. Yeah, he's been there for 36 years, 37 years. Like he's been in professional baseball for a very long time. Yeah. Oh, and I want to point out Tim Lopes. He, I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that he now has the the team record, the Chihuahua's record for most stolen bases in a season. Yeah. I believe he's leading the PCL right now. Yeah. Uh, and another one of those guys that didn't, you know, I was surprised that he didn't get a call up sometime during the year, but it just, you know, I don't know. They just overlooked those guys. They overlooked them. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of guys that were making a name for themselves this year. And it's, there's only so many spots on the big league roster, I guess. Yeah, so strike two Friday. Daniel Johnson hit a walk-off solo home run with two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning Friday to give the El Paso Chihuahuas a 4-3 win. Johnson's game-ending home run was his fifth for El Paso this season and his 16th in team his and the 16th in team history. It was the 11th walk-off win overall for the Chihuahuas this season. Johnson led the team with three hits Friday. Despite the rather forgettable season Jay Groom has had, he pitched well and broke the Chihuahua single-season strikeout record with 125. And broke it to uh and punch out of the year. Excuse me. Groom allowed just two runs on two hits, walking four and striking out seven in five and a third innings. He finished the night with a season total of 130 and has a couple more chances to extend that record. The previous owner of the El Paso strikeout record was Pedro Avila, struck out 124 last year. So to think that he his call up this year was just oh we need a spot starter he has earned his right to be up in the big league club and hasn't pitched too bad it really well, he's pitched well I, I really mean I hasn't think pitched bad he's earned himself into the conversation for the starting rotation next year and we'll see how he finishes the season he's about to pitch tonight against the Dodgers that buzzsaw lineup uh, but he's been so good this year yeah. and he kind of came out of nobody was expecting it because he wasn't doing all that great in El Paso. Well, and, and that's, you know, you've heard a little bit of this on Twitter about Jay Groom. Like, okay, get him out of hell. <laughs> get him to the big leagues where the ball, it's a little bit more fair. You know, there's a little bit more parity in, in, and the, obviously the level of play is higher, but like the ball just, it just, the PCL is so hard for guys to be, you know, to see where they're going um, and their development because it's just a oh, crap. When 295 is league average. I know, right? Come on. Well, I guess that's where if we have the chance to talk to somebody, um, you know, on the player development side of things in the off season, oh, we're talking I'd like to pick a, a, a drone for certain. Well, well yeah, I'd, I'd like to pick their brain about okay, what do you look at for a pitcher that's in the PCL 
what are you looking at in their numbers in their metrics that tells you if they're doing a good job? Because the stat line that we see ERA and, and, and whip to a lesser extent doesn't really tell the story because uh, guys just get absolutely roughed up and it's like something turns and the game gets out of hand so quick in the PCL. You can't go off the numbers that we see. So yeah. do they, are they looking at batted ball metrics? Are they, is there something they have about pitch location, like how well they're commanding things? Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to point out that Daniel Johnson, he's been a fun story for El Paso since he came up to AAA. Uh, because he went to UTEP or no, he went to University of New Mexico, Las Cruces, which is like 20 minutes up the road from El Paso. <laughs> and so he's like the local boy coming back home. It's been a neat story to follow. Right. Um, he's farther away. If he were playing for the Rockies, he'd be farther away in Albuquerque than he would be for Las Cruces in El Paso. Right. Yeah. And then the last little point on here, G-Man Choi returned to the lineup two nights after fouling a ball off his foot. He went over three with a walk that, surprised me because i thought he broke i thought he fractured something well and if you saw a tweet from jin who one of the one of the uh one of the korean kind of one of the korean baseball uh twitter accounts posted like his his representative said that he only felt you know he did not fracture his foot he only bruised his foot so um what we assumed was a i can't remember if it was the chihuahuas did that the Padres did it or or who said that he fractured his foot that was not the truth. And his, his, essentially his agent said, yeah, it's just a, it's just a bruise. It's not a fracture. All right. Well, let's hope that he gets his way through this rehab assignment, comes up and does something for the big league club because they gave up Jackson Wolf for Rich Hill and G man Choi. And so far Rich Hill hasn't looked all that good. And no, it kind of, it kind of hurts my heart that Jackson Wolf friend of the podcast got traded for a couple of guys that wound up being, effectively zeros yeah. for the rest of the season. Yeah. But we, we wish him the best and uh, I'll be following him in the, uh, in the following year. Oh um, yeah, for sure. That, be that being said, I didn't put a strike three. Well, so let's look ahead for what's coming up this next week. So the Chihuahuas still have a little bit of time left in their yep. season. Uh, but on Tuesday, everybody should be tuning in to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps uh, playoff debut. Yep. Um, I haven't looked at the missions to see when they're, I think their season goes on for another week or yeah, so. Yeah, double A, uh, low A and A ball, are, uh, high A and low A are done. Uh, double A and triple A have another, what, two weeks? I think it's, yes. another, I think it's another two weeks left. Um, but look, if you have the MLB package, if you watch the Padres through MLB, you just scroll down in the very top and you'll find all the affiliate games. And then Tuesday, there will be the Tin Caps game there, which I'm sure you're going to want to watch more than you're going to want to watch the Padres game. Like there's more at stake. I sure as heck. Yeah, there's, there's a lot more going on, a lot more interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a hell of a lot more funner. And, and it's the, what I love about the minor leagues is – these guys fail a lot and, and they don't do well. It's not, they're developing, they're learning. It's not as when you get to the major leagues, <laughs> excuse me, when you get to the major leagues, my heart gets into it and I start yelling at the TV and go, ah, ah. you know, I did right. that a lot with Liddy gone out of this weekend. I was able to yell at the TV as loud as I could. Yeah, as as Padres fans, you you especially with a contending team or supposedly, allegedly contending, you're living and dying with every game. Like, come yeah. on, this win is so important, especially when it's kind of going off the skids. But with the minor leagues, I'm watching every at bat, every every opportunity. Okay, how's this kid gonna handle this moment? Right. How are they gonna, you know? Okay, 
there's a big situation. What are they going to do? Are they going to come through? Or are they going to crumble? And, and it's not so much the wins and losses aren't as important, but then at the same time, these guys have been fighting for this off season. They made it. They're coming together as a team. And I want to see them have that big dog pile at the end. So I think yeah. it's a three. It's like a best of three series. I think that they play uh, It's some kind of, I, I we need to look up their format and get that right, nailed right, down, right. but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch what the Fort Wayne team caps do this week. Yeah. So next week we'll have that. We'll have uh, the Chihuahuas and we'll have the double a roundup, a short roundup and some playoff talk and we'll see, we'll see what else comes of it. Yeah. And- well, until then uh, you can find me on Twitter at zippy underscore TMS. And you can find me on Twitter at SD Donovan. Yeah. 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 Yeah.